Good evening, afternoon, or morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Will here and our co-host, Nick Mann. Hello. For another episode of Geese Weights and T-Bone Steaks. So how's things been, Nick? Yeah, busy, mate. Say, Will, tell me something. Well, I ended up... Uh... No, 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 no. Will, <laughs> yes, you're Nick. walking kind of funny-like and you've got forward head. And your scapula seems to be slightly elevated. Well, mate. Did you get your ass kicked? No, mate. I ended up doing a couple of jutsu rounds, and after that, I ended up hurting my trap. This uh, was a spasm trap. Uh, okay, how did this happen? Uh, Jiu-jitsu. Post-jitsu rolling. <coughs> Post-rolling. So what happened? Obviously, something, an, a, I... an incident <coughs> has transpired, and someone has injured you. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I mean, in the heat of the moment, I didn't feel it there and then. Heat of the moment. Heat of the moment. It was, um, it was no gear rolling. And I'm pretty sure as I was playing my reverse Delaheva guard, old mate, oh, it's, it's great. It opens up a lot of leg locks and, you know, <laughs> taking the back, that kind of stuff. All right, you go on. Then what happened? Delaheva, reverse. Go and uh, my, my training partner tried to, tried to create this guard pass, in which case he clamped my head and my hand together to try and pressure pass. Um, in my defense, I got like a front there. headlock. He's got you in a front headlock. I think that was a, an attempt in order for him to pass. Yeah, so I think he was using the front <coughs> headlock as an opening for the guard pass. It didn't work. Nonetheless, I still swept him. But the pay, I guess the uh, the trade off was that he's hurt you in the process. Hasn't well, he? I wouldn't say hurt. It was just spasm. You know, a bit of a dip, so spasm hurt. The f the funny thing is, I mean, we can't just attribute it to one factor. <coughs> There's a lot of other factors that contributed to this issue. So right. we talk about. Physiological load—it's something that Paul Check talks about, whereby you know someone doesn't get you know the accumulation of stress uh, of, of mechanical loading throughout the whole body. Um, when I say stress, it's physical stress and also mental stress can summate in things like injury and sickness, and you know, excess levels of cortisol, so forth and so forth. And I, I, in in my opinion, it was mm -hmm. attributed to a lot of what you call physiological load. So you can't just pinpoint one event or one certain incident or one movement. It's usually an accumulation of everything that creates that. Uh, so you don't unless it was it was a direct trauma, which is very very different. This you know? was a direct trauma, was it not? I don't think so. I, I think it's more of an accumulative effect okay. that summated in this. So you don't want to attribute this to an individual. No, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like it to be that way. I mean, I, I'm never. I always tend to question, and it's never what what it yeah. seems to be. Especially if you're doing a sport where the aim of the game is to join inside a line, yeah. such as uh, jujitsu. Yeah. So who was it? Uh, who the fuck was it? <laughs> oh, you know, me, Nick, man. I always try to keep it confidential. Fucking hell! To my back it's for a minute, man. I'm a fully grown man. I'm <laughs> fucking I can hell. I can defend myself. Well, I don't know. I'm starting yeah. to question that. <laughs> so. Wow, okay. Besides that, I was just getting through my uh, financial analysis and studies, doing that, as you know, and my, my investment analysis studies. So. Yes, yeah. Very good. How about yourself, Nick? What have you been up to this uh, fine week? Uh, you know, just the usual on the Nick Manhide. Yep. Training, working. <coughs> we're still working. Uh, the gyms aren't open just yet, but we're still working in the parks under the bridges. Or if you're can. like me, you have a few online clients so that you work remotely That's with. Right. It's getting big. The online it training? It is. It is. It's not for everyone, though. I mean, if you're a complete beginner, have no body awareness and a lot of structural issues, probably not the best way to go, right? Nonetheless. Well, can you teach people mobility in their home via videos and tutorials? 
it'll never be as good quality as, as having that one-on-one approach, being actually see their specific movement um, in, in, in fine detail um, right in front of your eyes. It's still, I, I, I can never, you can never ever, ever beat face-to-face. We call it personal training or, you know, online or, no, or face-to-face coaching for a reason that it's face-to-face. That the communication's clearer. You know, you have that accountability of someone physically there in front of you, not just, you know, watching it through a screen. And I guess a personal factor also as well that takes away the human element where you have a barrier between you and your client or you and your athlete, right. whoever it may be. What do you think? You're doing uh, online training at the moment, right? Yes, I am. I am. Uh, it's because my clients don't live in the same city as I do. Right. And as you know, I've just came back from, from overseas a few months back, and most of my clients are from somewhere in, you know, in the and Middle East. they found uh, success in this approach to training, right? Yeah, but a lot of them have had a background in training, and all they need is a little bit of accountability and right. a lot of restructuring around their programs, and also <coughs> consultations, things like that. Nice. So if they're a complete nice. beginner, Bob, have no idea what the <clears throat> f they're doing, you know. Can't d- differentiate between bending their hips and bending their knees. Yeah. So obviously, it's not going to be the best approach for them. I, nothing beats that one-on-one approach, that personable factor, and having a, a trained, qualified professional watching you face to face. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you can have the online approach where um, the live version where you can actually see each other, but it's still uh, a little different if mm-hmm. you have to demonstrate or physically put someone into a position. Exactly. Especially if you're using bands and that kind of thing with a beginner. Yeah. But um, it is picking up a bit of steam. I What's know that? some people that uh, won't want to return back to the gyms. Oh, interesting. After restrictions because they're so accustomed to training at home. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people rushed out and bought um, a shitload of gym equipment to stock up and are now set up in their garage and no longer have a need for a yep. gym. So I guess it's... Uh... Kind of puts the question of, you know, are we being replaced by virtuals now? I guess, no, we can still run the program, so forth, but, you know, it's what it's become. Have have we created, I guess you can say, a culture of, of living through a screen? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I so, I mean, neither is wrong or right. Neither is wrong nor right. I mean, I, I would prefer to, to be in the comfort of my own home at 6 a.m., Rather than being outside or in, a, in in another gym and having to wake up, right? So, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, we had some feedback. Yes, well, tell us, Nick, um, about the feedback. I had some people complaining about my coughing. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do that. Maybe. Um, Is that of nerves or what? No, it's uh, cancer. Actually, <laughs> oh, so. Oh God. Yeah. So be sensitive God, with your feedback. That's because... gotten bloody dark very quickly, Nick. Jesus, exactly. you didn't tell me about so this. You shouldn't be. Making comments like that. Will, yeah. did you receive any good comments or feedback at all? The the audience told me that they were quite entertained. That was quite good. They liked it. Although I had one close friend of ours, um, our marketing manager said that we should script, stick to the script. Hence, we started with a slightly more formal opening <laughs> um, okay. and more structured approach. That was the only thing I had in, um, okay. in my corner. You didn't get any other complaints, Will? Oh, Yes. They wanted me to relate to what I was talking to about last week. So what I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is I do a lot of in-depth reading from all an aspects of you know uh, of life, such as you know the paranormal, such as business, finance, <laughs> yeah. strength, conditioning, right. fitness, philosophy. <clears throat> and what I was talking about last week was the the theory of frequency, also known as a Doppler effect. And the Doppler effect is what we also can also um, uh, understand as you know thoughts and waves and vibrations as, as a way of, we can communicate between human beings. 
And I also talked about the expanding theory of Hubble, the expanding universe theory of Hubble as well. So just to clarify, you can YouTube that, you can look it up, whatever you want to do. But that's what I was referring to last week right? in regards to the paranormal, in regards, in regards to, to us and frequency and communication, yeah. you know, and, you know, thoughts and words becoming vibrations, which is... Entities, you said. Well, potentially they're... Not they're summoning entities. demons in the land. Yeah, trail. yeah, well... Yeah, that's that's not mess with that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm still gonna. But... <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we were supposed to have a guest today. Well, yes. Well, what happened to him? He said he was coming. He's not fucking here. <laughs> well, he told me this morning that his car wasn't starting, and as I took my 5 p.m. afternoon nap after seven hours of study, he called me up, and unfortunately, I didn't pick up the phone. How about you, Nick? Uh, he called me, and I didn't pick up. Also. I tried calling him back and he didn't pick up, so. So did he ditch you or we I, ditched I guess I guess he gave us a, a courtesy call. He'll be here next week. We're not going to tell you his name, so you but won't be surprised. Why not? You want to tell him? Tell, can't. <laughs> can't surprise guest. <laughs> we have our surprise guest. Um, yeah. So our surprise guest was meant to be with us this evening. But, <laughs> but like all successful enterprises and <laughs> yeah. businesses in these conditions, we have pivoted and therefore we've decided to run the podcast by ourselves. Right, so he called you this morning and said his car won't start. No, it was in the afternoon sometime. Oh, right. Couldn't take the bus. Yeah. Oh, no, he called me this Sorry, He messaged me this morning, called me up in the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and here we are. And here we are. So... You don't want to say his name? No, no. Do you want to say his name? <laughs> we're allowed to, right? Technically, we're allowed to. Yeah, go on then. No, I'll tell you. Go man. on. Jeez. Let's, let's say leave, it. Let's leave them in suspense until they, they meet our special guest next week. All right, fine. So you look forward to that. The special guest that will be yeah. here next week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Or next episode. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick, how about your, your, your end? What are the comments that you've been receiving from your audience or our audience that has spoken to you? Um, apart from complaining about my coughing mm -hmm. and my laughter, me Which laughing is most too much, and that, um, you know, it's bad for you, me to be happy. Apparently, yeah, it upsets enjoying people. your own show. God, yeah. if you can't be your own fan, then who can? Yeah, that's a good fucking point. <laughs> out here. Yeah, uh, that was really it. All negative things. So, <laughs> well, you did put better, it on your better. Facebook post. <laughs> negative vibes only, Nick. We better keep it up. There. <laughs> right, obviously. Um, right. So. Let's stick to the, yeah, try to stick <laughs> Back the to script. The script. Okay, we actually did stick to did, did stick the script the first five minutes. Yeah. What's What's next agenda, Nick? Um, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick, how did that get there? Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah. So we wanted to talk about the foundation of training a student, yeah. right? So in terms of strength training, <clears throat> we're dealing with general population. Yeah. What's the foundation you lay? I know you love your screening. Yep. Yeah, so I always screen you know, for any kind of anomalies, any kind of movement uh, impairments or, or as, as a movement impediments. Um, and if there's any kind of red flags that has not been identified by, allied, by a health professional that I would refer out straight away. Right. Um, obviously, it's it's not in, um, no, in right, our so practice to be able to train so you someone. Get, um, begin at Bob comes in. Yep. He's got a lovely physique. Yep. Again, not so much his physique, but he's got um, great anthropometry. Yep. He's all set to go. Yep, so he has no, 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 movement, injuries, mo no movement impairments. Movement impediments. No, he's good. Okay, great. First thing I will teach <coughs> is the basic fundamentals of, of, uh, of, of skill, of the major movements. So your, your hinge pattern through a deadlift pattern and variations of, your, your squat pattern, your horizontal push, horizontal pull pattern, 
And in very small cases, the overhead movement, unless they have appropriate scap humeral rhythm, in other words, he does. He he's does. good to go. He's yep. good to go. Then I would focus on you know the, the vertical pushing and pulling patterns as well. And very good, very of good. course, the lunging patterns, and then your, you know, single leg stance. Jumping, yeah, leg. would you let him jump? I wouldn't let him jump straight away. No, without. So, rule of thumb: if you if you look at the the studies of plyometrics, the Russians believe that in order for someone to be qualified to do proper plyometrics, where there is high, you know, high degree of force production, force absorption, then to be able, they need to be at least be able to squat 1.5 times their body weight in the challenge. Of squat. I challenge it. I don't think yeah. it's that much necessary as much as that. It's not the well, 1.5 rule. According, I remember that being according. a thing that they taught in um, the courses. Yeah. But um, in super training... I taught you that one. You did. Yeah. In super training, uh, I'm going to murder his name, but Yuri Verkoshansky. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> he does say a monster squat is not necessary to be able to form a, pro- a plyometric. Yeah. Although I'd say that um, proper squat pattern is, of course... Yeah, important should be well reinforced before you apply any plyometrics to it. Okay, so when you're going through these major movements patterns, Willy Wildo, mm-hmm. would you be using a barbell for this or body weight or what? What's your go-to tool in the shed? So rule of thumb, I always, I always stick with uh, with dumbbells. Or bo- if they can't even master body weight, then I would always focus on body weight first. If you if you can't master your own body weight, then you shouldn't have extra excess resistance on top of your body weight because right. that could potentially cause further impairments. That's not to say, that's not to say a light dumbbell to help them counterbalance, stabilize isn't gonna help. But I'm trying to say mastering the body weight is what I always try to focus on first. But then again, it depends on the goal. If they just wanna get, build aesthetics, then of course you can do your, your more open chain movements, mm-hmm. your, your dumbbell presses, your bench presses, <clears throat> and so forth and so forth. But if you're looking for, for absolute relative strength, you know, um, athletic performance, then yes. I would definitely um, focus on building the foundations through structural integrity, stability, and mastering your own body weight first before adding extra extra resistance on top of that. So you'd use um, different tools regarding on their goals, is that right? Yep. And I would also choose variations of of, of the different movement patterns depending on their goals as well. Okay. Yep. So um, what I like to do with people is I, I fit them all into the same box. I get them all moving with a barbell. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, the barbell can improve your physique rapidly, mm. as well as um, your sports performance. This is assuming loss. they have no s- certain kind of yeah, impediments. Yeah, of course, assuming they're not already broken. Yeah, yeah. or, or they have inadequate posture, or they have no, yeah, yeah, they're good no body go. awareness. They're good to go. Otherwise, you're okay. able to do sure. everything else beforehand, which we've spoken and about build your fundamentals. before. Yep. That's right. A weak, fund- no, weak foundation means that whatever you build on top of that is going to start to collapse. That's right, that's right. So it's all about structural integrity. I know you're not a big fan of the um, overhead barbell press, Will. Well, not many people are actually, you know, orthopedic qualified <clears throat> to do that, Nick. Look at how many people have, you know, rotator cuff issues, you know, their rounded shoulders, really bad scapular humeral rhythm, rounded, you know, very kyphotic. Well, right. you know, so they haven't got the proper patterns and the, and the proper structure to be able to do that, perform that correctly. And if they do, would you still use it in the program? Of course, if, they, if, if it's all clear, then good to go. <coughs> So yeah, what are your thoughts? Go on. <laughs> Whatever, you want to begin that look, I know you're about to say something. Never a dull moment with Nick Mann, ladies and gentlemen. I still like overhead movements, even if someone is um, kyphotic, but you can adjust it. You can do things like a uh, 
torsionated press, like a landmine press. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yourself. It's not exactly. That's, that's not vertical. Extension. I mean, it's not like vertical, purely vertical of the head. That's but a modified. Still, the arm above the head with an upward rotation of the scapula. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> and you... you can do this with the barbell in a um, up against the cage in a scratch press, still pushing yourself into thoracic extension. But will you don't like it? Do you? Well, you the don't thing like is, risk it at all. The thing is, you've got to make sure they're transferring load evenly throughout their body. So a lot of times, if they're quite kyphotic, where's that load going to be placed excessively? Through their lower backs, through their necks, through their shoulders. Uh, so that's all. I mean, sometimes, like I said, it's usually an accumulation of issues that leads to that big breakdown or that, that, that big, you know, all of a sudden gasp of pain. Right. They feel, and they wake up one morning, all of a sudden they can't feel their neck or their shoulder. Mm. It's usually a buildup, the straw on the camel's back, unless it's direct trauma, like I spoke about. Have you had any shoulder issues, Will? No. I'm, I'm blessed with strong rotator cuff and uh, mobile, stable and mobile shoulders. Well, but you don't do any overhead movements yourself? Not much, not much, not much. Yeah. Why not? I've had a lot of neck and, and uh, mid-thoracic issues in the last <coughs> few years. So. Because of um, people beating you up? Ah, <laughs> oh, just... Actually, I have done a, a few, I guess you could say, sessions of... Kettlebell overhead press, you know, it's very good for the rotator cuff, good, good, great for your stabilizer as well as for the core. Right, so you prefer the overhead kettlebell press to the barbell press? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, much more, you challenge more of the stabilizers, a lot more. Core stabilizers, shoulder stabilizers. Yeah. yeah. Grip so strength. You can't uh, overload yeah. as much there. But you sometimes, as much. but you know, sometimes you don't have to overload to, to kind of get the results that you want, unless your goal is to increase weight of the bar, which is a totally different story altogether. Doesn't weight on the bar translate into everything? Not necessarily, Nick. Performance? I mean, Speed, you can be very strength, good at one, one pushing <clears throat> pattern overhead, but then whenever I, I load you unilaterally, you're going to start to collapse because... Unilaterally, you're yeah, saying. But like, you can um, take care of that in your auxiliary work. Yeah, know? like your support exercises and your accessory very exercises, very definitely. Very good. But, uh, yeah, I mean... If they can't even stabilize, you know, if they can't even stabilize one side at a time, then they shouldn't be doing two at a time because you'll see one side will start to overcompensate, causing pain breakdown. What is the issue with, um, you can explain this better than I can. If you have an injury in your left shoulder, say mm. uh, you do have the orthopedic profile to mm. overhead press, mm. just using this movement pattern for an example, yep. and you have your left shoulder injured, you yep. can no longer press overhead with it yep. for the meantime, uh, it's recommended to continue overhead pressing in your right hand, your non-injured side, because you're still training your nervous system. Yeah, I guess you can say that the, 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 the neural patterns, I guess the, the mind-to-muscle connection, can still be developed on the right side, which can sometimes, uh, you know, science and research have shown that that can also transfer the left side. So for instance, <coughs> back at university, uh, we did a, a study in, in last year of biomechanics um, regarding unilateral-based athletes, and the study was that athletes that focused on their left side actually got better on their right side at the same time. Their left side being the weaker side. Yeah, yeah. So right. they focus on you know, improving the motor skills, the skills of their sport, like passing, throwing, catching, you know, whatever it may be on their left side. Um, it actually has a great transfer to the right side. Right. So basically, naturally left-handed athletes can potentially perform um, bilaterally better than right-handed athletes. In other words, they have a better even balance on the left and right compared to a purely right-handed athlete. Does that make sense? Not because they've trained both sides? No, it's because they're able to transfer better <coughs> on that side. Yeah. And how would this relate to something like a knee injury? Say if you've got a um, torn ACL on your left leg. Yeah. Right, but you still need to move your lower body in training. Yeah. Right? Um, so it doesn't 
So you, obviously when you've got one particularly weak side, you need to address that first. So for instance, if, if you were to do a squat with some kind of load and you had an injured side and a, and a stronger side, right. that stronger side was have to overcompensate the movement from the weaker side. So you should, in that case, you should train them separately and then when the time is right, you should integrate them both together. So I address the issue, uh, whether it be isolation, and then I integrate that into the training pattern with right. the actual movement yeah. itself. If that makes sense, Nicholas. Would you allow someone with an ACL injury to squat? Well, it depends. I mean, I haven't got the, the clearance to be able to clear them. Yeah. So if they've been cleared by a physiotherapist, or allied health professional, um, osteopath, or a doctor, then I'd definitely say yes, but it's not my scope of practice to be able to clear that. <laughs> yeah, you're not a yeah. cowboy, yeah, are you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> if in doubt, refer to rats, so I've always believed in that notion. Okay. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got to cover your ass first and foremost, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah. Always get that doctor's note. Yeah. You trained many high-risk individuals, Will? Yeah, throughout my time in university, I, I, I was specialising in um, people with metabolic, metabolic syndrome, so diabetics, um, people with uh, chronic you know, heart disease um, as well, um, people that, suff that had to suffer from stroke. So right. these, these are more of your high-risk clients, um, specific uh, general, you know, older populations, so over the age of 60 with metabolic syndrome, that's even a higher risk as well, over the age of 60 with pre you know, um, predisposed um, heart conditions, that's high risk well. Um, so yeah, so it, it all adds up. So if they had a disease, that's, you know, that's a risk factor. If they have a disease, and they're old, that's another risk factor. <coughs> if, they a, if they have all two of them plus the sedentary, that's another risk factor. So right. I'm used to them with all very high risk clients. Nick, man. What about modern day Willie? Modern day Willie, right now I've uh, just, actually most of the clients I've worked with are Clients have just come out of injury, um, and again, bridging the gap between strength conditioning and uh, you know just from rehab as well. So, I, as soon as I get the clear from the from the from the physio, from the osteo, then we time for time for <coughs> to rebuild the uh, the structures of the of the athlete or the person. Dealt with a lot of athletes in the last three years, mostly in the combat sports of jiu-jitsu and MMA um, in the Middle East, and there as well. I also work closely with. Um, a lot of, I guess you could say, high high level clients, um, prominent clients, um, that have just come out of injury from the first few stages of rehab, first four months <coughs> of rehab. You were in a pretty highly ranked jiu-jitsu team over in Bahrain, weren't you, Will? Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of the the, the strongest teams in the region. So yeah, the region was, of Bahrain. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also the uh, the Middle East itself in that right. region as well. So it was a very strong team, and uh, one of the best experiences I ever had, and. Um, wouldn't have it any other way. It was a great life lesson. <laughs> and uh, you learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot, learn a lot about other, other people and other cultures um, when you travel abroad, work abroad as well. So what made this team better than the other ones you trained at in Melbourne? So the foundation, the structure of how they built their, their white belts. So they have a, a great foundation program for their white belts and a great foundation program for their intermediates as well. There's a good transition period between the white belt as an, to an intermediate into a colored belt, which is known as the advanced practitioner. So having that strong structure and having the, the really strong fundamentals allowed these guys to be very technically proficient and plus the, the strong mentality and the strong work ethic created a, you know, the athletic um, and technical 
Well, you don't think they have that here? They have it here. I mean, of course they have it here. I mean, but that was what I found to be the, the key determining factor were the great fundamentals from the, from the from day one. <coughs> and technique as well. Right. Did you compete while you were over there? You did, right? Yeah, a few yeah. competitions. Was the competition tougher over there than it was here? So you competed at the Pan Packs here, right? Yeah. 1993? <laughs> 2014. 2014. Yeah. And competing over there in, in, in that region, especially the, the World Pro, was, was another quite spectacle itself. Yeah. So it was it was a great experience and uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm happy to be home now. Thank you. And you are you are looking to open shop. I'm looking to open shop. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, we are looking to once the restrictions have been reversed, to create our first martial arts program, Lunar Martial Arts. Would you like to talk about Lunar Martial Arts, Nick? What is your fundamental <laughs> uh, striking programs that you can offer at Lunar Martial Arts? <clears throat> um, well, Will, we're mm. going to be doing a, an array of things. Ooh, not? tell me more. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. So you are heading up a jiu-jitsu program? Uh, maybe, yes, uh, jiu-jitsu, definitely, definitely. That's going to be part of, the, part of the repertoire. And of course, what goes well with jiu-jitsu is... Judo. Judo, that's yeah. right. Handy compliment, judo and grappling. We're striking. We're striking. With the kickboxing, of course. Always been a big fan of kickboxing. Yes. Had a few kickboxing fights back in the day. Um, looking to set this shop up in Port Melbourne, is that right? Will? Port Melbourne is the most viable location at the moment, and uh, I guess the greatest probability of opening is in Port Melbourne at the moment, but uh, we never know due to these restrictions and due to each individual gym and organisation um, having their own certain policies regarding that as well. So best case scenario, ladies and gentlemen, we might be able to open a shop within July, once we get everything up and running and... Uh, I guess in the marketing as well. That's right, and still working within uh, whatever restrictions there are. Right? Exactly, yeah. So at the moment, obviously, we can't do any kind of grappling. So with the 1.5 meter restriction, we can't even do you know face to face pad work as well. So uh, pad working, you can do. Uh, coach can do it with the student, but student can't do it with student. Really? Yeah, what's the difference? What's the difference? Work. Why? Uh, I think because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, maybe uh, the coach is considered to be clean, but okay. the students are filthy. <clears throat> right. Okay, well, in that case, that's good for you, Nick, which means that we can get the kickboxing <laughs> program up and running. That's and uh, because we are almost near the CBD, we'll be attracting a lot of white-collar clients, all those you know, weekend worries. We also have fitness kickboxing by Nick Mann. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah. it's just kickboxing. We don't call yeah. it fitness kickboxing. Yeah. Um, what about traditional martial arts, Will? Yes, I mean, you said you wanted to potentially run, if there's a demand for it, your uh, Filipino stick fighting yes. over there, yeah? Yes, that's true. So that's something that we can definitely offer. If there's a demand, there shall be supply. <laughs> that's our motto at uh, Lunar Martial Arts, right? But obviously, right. we're going to start with uh, two to three classes just to, just to get the ball up yeah, and running. That's right, that's right. Very good. Yeah. Right, I see, Willie. Then how does your um, your jiu-jitsu training like, transpire into your uh, everyday coaching? Like I said... Like, you have this um, approach with your strength training, right? Tell me about it. What, what, what do you think my approach is? Well, you like to screen your clients vigorously to see if they're capable of performing all the exercises you're going to give them, yep. all the movements. It's see. all about mitigating risk, Will. Like I'm, I'm all about mitigating risk. Okay, so how does that apply to your martial arts training where... You're oh, often perfect. known for shouting and being quite harsh to your students. Yeah. 
telling no one to help the crying child on the mat. Oh, well, that's, that, that, that used to be me. Though. That did happen. <laughs> 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 uh, so how does... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you bring your sprinting process over to jiu-jitsu? Yeah, actually, you know what? If if someone has a certain pain and they can't do a certain technique due to uh, past injury, current injury, you know, imbalance or poor posture, then of course I will also start to give them you know, hints and tips on how to avoid that or how to address that as well. The good thing about being a strength conditioning coach and um, working in exercise physiology is the fact that you can help people, you know, in, in different sport if, if they're in pain and give them certain exercise to do to strengthen uh, the weaknesses and certain mobility exercise to do to, I guess, you know, address the imbalance as well to improve better function. So are there going to be movements that beginner Bob can't do in jiu-jitsu? Well, you've got to teach, first of all, first of all, beginner Bob will need to learn the fundamentals properly from the, from the ground up. And I wouldn't get Beginner Bob to, to roll in his first day or his first month, to be honest. But if Beginner Bob has any kind of underlying red flag issues throughout his body, then I would recommend Beginner Bob see a trainer to, to help him correct the issues yeah. and or a physio to complement the jiu-jitsu. So it is my duty of care to, be, to do that because for me to, to, have my, you know, to have my knowledge and my skills not address that is me being negligent towards my own students mm. and I, and for me as a, as a coach and as an instructor uh, I have that innate duty of care to whoever I teach but you still like fight with your students right <laughs> what are you talking about but you roll with your students right of course yeah yeah, yeah. definitely definitely and do you uh, roll to win when you roll with your students well that depends right on uh, on the situation <laughs> <laughs> you gotta show them who's boss <laughs> <laughs> what no, I'm just joking <laughs> Okay, so... What's your take on that, Nick? No, I thought you'd be flipping the mirror on me. <laughs> it's a two-man podcast. It's Will Max and Nick Mann. Jeez. This guy. Uh, so when do you have to show this student who's boss? Sometimes, sometimes they know who's boss, but sometimes you may have to keep the, ego, the egos in check. Which is when, what, they're trying to mm. deliberately... It's like people. sometimes they have to pull out the sword, sometimes they have to keep the sword in the case. And you said what you did when this guy <laughs> cranked your neck, <laughs> pulled out the sword, put him to the sword. No, I'm a merciful man, Nick man. Yeah, well, it's a fine line if you've got a, uh, a gym bully. Yeah. You know, who's roughing up all the white belts in, yeah. the instructor has to step in, or one of the seniors have to step in and. The enforcer. The yeah. Enforcer. I, I love being the enforcer. I was, I was the enforcer when I was a blue belt. Do you think Do you they really teach you someone. The lesson, like, um, for example, most white belts, they go too hard, whether it's with, um, you know, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, whatever, they go too hard yeah, too early. Because they don't, they, they don't know the skills necessary. That's right. They don't have to the, control. Uh, the technique to control themselves. Or the skills they even pull off the techniques that they've mm. just learned in class. So they have to rely on force. Mm. So <clears throat> Will Max steps in, grabs beginner Bob. Mm. Beats the living shit out of him. I wouldn't say living shit out of him, <laughs> but... five minute round. You, you show me. I, I will show him his boss from the get-go, and then if he calms down, then I'll, I'll calm down. If he wants to step it up, I'll step it up. You crank his neck? I wouldn't crank his neck. I would, you know... Rub a forearm in his face? I would, you know, tap him in, in the most technical way where he can also feel the pressure at the same time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And do you think this uh, beginner Bob learns his lesson? Definitely. What this? it does, it, it keeps in perspective of what was expected, you know, so if, it's like a relationship, the relationship needs to be, I guess you can say, um, 
confirmed and I guess you can say uh, the ground rules in place from the get-go, right? So that there needs to be boundaries. So once you do that, they know the boundaries, that they know that what is expected of them and what is not expected of them. Obviously, I verbalized them like, hey, hey, you know what? You need to calm down a little bit because you're going to hurt yourself and other people. Right. This is what's expected. And if they don't adhere to what's expected, then you apply more pressure and force. <laughs> hey, what are your thoughts on that? The, uh, you know, we've had our run. Mm. Um, strange working in, you know, training in gyms for so long. You see a lot of weird characters blow in. Mm. Like uh, working out in Warrigal, you have ice heads come in, just pinging off their head wanting to spar. Um, but the best one, the strangest one really, was when I was uh, at the gym in the Philippines at mm. Hybrid Yaoyan, my old fight gym. And um, I was training with this little guy, really slick wrestler, Stingray uh, Ray Carlos, and this old dude brought in his son, who was about 15 years old. And he said to the head coach there, Sir Henry Kobayashi, he said, uh, my son's very naughty. He always misbehaves. He's a bit of a bully. I want one of your students to beat him up and teach him a lesson. So uh, this kid's jumping in the ring. He's keen for it. Puts his gloves on. Big, stupid fucking head on this kid, man. He looked ridiculous. So Sir Henry has said to uh, Stingray, if you don't beat this kid up, uh, I'm not going to book you in fights anymore. So he had no choice but to get in there and beat the shit out of this kid. So Ray gets in there. He's absolutely clobbering the shit out of this head, this um, kid, taking him down, big overhand, rights to his giant fucking head. <laughs> and the whole time the dad's on the outside of the ring calling out, yeah, yeah, beat my son, beat what my son. What the hell? Why? <laughs> cheering on Stingray. For what reason? Because the kid was a bully and a little fuck about and he wanted him to um, get a beating to teach him a lesson. Great. I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah? I definitely agree with that. Sometimes, sometimes you need to be taught a lesson. Sometimes the, if, if the person is stubborn, right. has a lot of ego, and right. the only way to crash that ego is to actually give them their own taste, their own medicine. Right. So, yeah, okay. I think some, there's a time and place for that, but sometimes it's necessary. Would you beat your kid? I wouldn't beat my kid. you get someone else to beat your kid no, for but you? but I'm trying to say, like, you know, if, if you want to bully someone, then you see how it's like to be bullied, and then you understand. Right. The only way for them to understand is for you to put them in the shoes. Have you taken this to any um, schools in the district yet? <laughs> well, you know me, Nick. I don't actually agree with the educational system at the moment. So that's, that's <laughs> really here nor there. So Fucking especially institutionalized education right now, nowadays. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so fancy question. No, I haven't. But I would love to. Uh, <laughs> it's my the anti-bullying program. Yeah. <laughs> my my old man should say, if he hits, he hit him back twice as hard. Oh, well, yeah. now you're just bullying the bullies. <laughs> you got to lay off them. Who? you got to lay off the bullies, mate. Yeah, exactly. So it's like in Cobra Kai, right? The bullies become the victim and the victim become the bullies. Right. Yeah. How's that show you liking that, Nico? <laughs> That's a great show, though. <laughs> that is an awesome show, Cobra Kai. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is our 40-minute timer. Uh, thank you for listening to Geese Weights and T-Bone Steaks. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Next week, special guest. The Who's special guest. Be? Be? Tune in and find out. Tune in and find out who our special guest was meant to be and will be arriving Fucking next week. Fucking better. Yeah. Have a goodie week, guys. We'll see you next week. Over and out. <laughs>